Do you enjoy playing relaxing puzzle games on your phone? I do. It's even better when they're free and you can collect prizes along the way. Welcome to Two Dots. I have been playing Two Dots to relax my mind, unwind, and there's something very methodical about it. The premise of the game is you connect dots horizontally, vertically, but never diagonally. And you head from level to level. And as I mentioned, you do collect points along the way if you are into that. More than 5,000 puzzles to keep you engaged and relaxed after a very long day. Uniquely designed challenges challenges, game modes, and levels to choose from based on what adventure you are into. And by the way, you can download it for free right now on your Android phone or iOS. I also like the color template of this game. It's very, it's giving me very like pastel-y vibes. So yeah, I think you're going to enjoy it too. If you are ready to kick back and unwind, download Two Dots for free on Android and iOS and start connecting. Via Hemp, let's talk about it. Via Hemp offers THC and non-TH craft cannabis experiences. Now, I love a non-THC option when it comes to your overall wellness. I'm talking sleep aid, maybe anxiety if you have that. Well, that's where Via comes into play. And did you know even a non-THC option if you're doing fertility or IVF can be helpful? Look into that. Well, Via is incredible. You got to be 21 plus. You can get 15% off with my exclusive code TSFS when you go to ViaHemp, V-I-I-A, hemp.com. They have all kinds of lifestyle products. And like I said, the best part is with the THC or without, so you don't have the buzzy buzzy. Don't you love my cannabis lingo? I mean, the buzzy buzzy. Anyway, I'm unique. What can I say? Look, order now. You're going to love Via Hemp. Use the code TSFS to receive 15% off and a one-time free sample of their award-winning gummies 21 plus that's via hemp.com and use the code tsfs at checkout support the show tell them i sent you and enhance your everyday life with via hemp summer is almost here don't you want to go to the beach with thicker gorgeous beautiful locks and everyone goes hey i love your hair and you go neutrophil baby You know, something along that lines. Well, take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering my listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and you enter the promo code TSFS. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. I recommend it. I've been taking Nutrafol for years. It's how I got my hair back thicker and not falling out in chunks after I had KJ. Now it's your turn. Nutrafol has been on with me for years, and that's because you all continue to buy, and it really works. I love it. Now it's your turn to love it too. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com with the promo code T-S-F-S. That's Nutrafol.com with the promo code T-S-F-S. Ethan Zahn is here, arguably one of, you saw this man's face on reality TV, multiple shows, four years, all in the early aughts, famously for winning season three of Survivor Africa, hello, on Fear Factor, on Amazing Race. Um, Shark Tank. Shark, were you on, oh, was Crunch Bowl on Shark Tank? Crunch Bowl wasn't on Shark Tank. Thank you for the reminder, but it was almost on Shark <laughs> almost Tank. Almost on Shark Tank, sorry. Wait, 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 but were you on, on- It was on David Letterman, though. It was on David Letterman. The whole story around the Crunch Bowl, which we can get to, is awesome. It's, it's a magical story. Now, wait a minute, then why were you on Shark Tank? For a different product? 
I wasn't on Shark Tank. No, I didn't make it. But it did, I oh. thought, well, we'll, let's, I we'll on, get to Crenshaw. I was on Pitchman. There's a show called Pitchman yep. with Anthony Sullivan and Billy Mays. That was where the Crunch Bowl kind of was uh, in formation. However, the invention of the Crunch Bowl stems way back from uh, 1995 in uh, upstate New York at uh, Vassar College when I passed out eating cereal. <laughs> on my chest and I woke up and like, what? My cereal's soggy? I need to invent a bowl that keeps your cereal crunchy all day long. And then that's when the idea for the uh, Crunch Bowl was born. Oh my God. I mean, and then on top of that, I mean, two-time cancer survivor. Like I can't, like, your cancer story is like unbelievable. I don't even know. I think I'm sure your lifelong training of just like being a person that's like giving back helped, but I don't even know how you didn't give up motivational speaker. Um, you're also this awesome cannabis ambassador for True Leave, True Leave, right? Am I saying it correctly? Yes, and EO. And EO. Um, all right. Well, I thought we'd start at the beginning because Survivor is on season 44, which is like amazing. It's epic. Um, but you had applied after season two. And I'm curious. And, and, you know, at that time, and of course, you know, obviously Survivor still has great ratings. But I mean, at the time, it was like monster ratings, right? Like everybody was tuning in to Survivor. It was huge. So after what what season did you watch and go, I'm going to be on that show? Um, yeah, so I saw season two, uh, Australia, and I saw Tina Wesson win and Colby Donaldson lose. So I was like, this is a show that I think I could be pretty good at. And uh, but I never really thought to apply for the show until I moved to New York City. My playing career was spiraling out of control. I was coaching at Fairleigh Dickens University in Teaneck, New Jersey. Didn't love it so much. And so I'm like, I need to get a real job. I need to get my life together. So I got a real job in New York City in a branding company called Landor. But about two weeks before I was supposed to start, they called me up and said, I'm sorry, there's a hiring freeze. You can't come in. And I was like crushed because I traded in all my cleats and sweatpants for suits and ties. I'm like, mom, you know, like uh, she's like, get a job. You're unemployed. I'm like, no, mom, I'm just in between life choices. So like anyone out there, you're never unemployed. You're always in between life choices. I love so that. Then my roommate and I, we were just like, what do you want to do today? Like, so let's make a video for Survivor. And so there may or may not have been some alcohol involved. I don't know. But we ran around New York City all day filming some stupid cockamamie video based on uh, the movie. Do you remember the movie Being John Malkovich way yes. back in the day? Yeah. did like Being Ethan Zahn, where I found a portal into my own head and everyone that popped out was me. And so it was a really fun thing. I was supposed to make a video for my friend. My friend was supposed to make a video for me. And we ran out of time for him. And we only sent in my video. And then I get picked for the show. And then the rest is history. And, you know, I was looking back. I mean, you filmed in an interesting season. And by the way, you know, Dan, who we, we call, we nicknamed Schman on the show because for a while he didn't want his identity. To, pr to protect my identity. Right, right, right. right. Nobody it's, can crack the code. No one, no one can figure it out. Um, you know, Schman's like the ultimate survivor. He's watched every single season. He's like the ultimate fan. But I was curious. I mean, your, your season shot in... You, you know, it aired in October of 2001, right? So post-September 11th. And I just wondered, like, was there ever a time you heard from production? Like, did they almost not air? I mean, literally like a month after 9-11. Were you getting calls from, you know, Mark Burnett? Like, I don't know if we're going to. I'm sure I'm, I'm sure he was absolutely panicked just like that on the phone with you. Um, did they almost not yeah. air? It almost didn't air. Yeah. You know, we get back in like the beginning of August and then, you know, you're trying to get your life back together and picking up the pieces of being away and just being totally stressed on what just happened. 
And then September 11th happens, which is obviously a horrible experience for, you know, and I was living in New York City at the time. Yeah. And so we actually, the, the show was supposed to premiere in September. That's when, you know, fall sweeps start, mid-September. Well, we couldn't do it. So they postponed it to, ele- to October. And so there was a time where it may not air. And also, you know, the show Survivor after, you know, a season after like the September 11th, it was... I don't know. Some people looked at it and like they should just cancel it because no one wants to see people suffering going through this torture when like the world is in crisis. And so, yeah, there was a a fear that it wouldn't air, but it did. And it's the first and only season to uh, air in two years. So it started in 2001 and finished in 2002 when all the other seasons just, you know, do it in one year. Wow. Little fun fact for you, you know. Survivor trivia. If you ever find oh. yourself on Wednesday night at a bar doing no, those trivia. are those are. I'm like I I am fascinated with the show, in in the sense of its longevity, but then it's also its evolution, right? Mm-hmm. And and out of cur- do you do you avidly watch the show, or is it kind of like you you, you try to keep a, a separation from it? No, I watch. I, I'm deep in it. The music starts. I start sweating. PTSD is setting in. I'm standing up. I'm cheering at the TV. You know, so I am in, in it. I love the show. I love everything about it. I'm very critical uh, of the show based on my time and now what's going on now. And obviously, I played a little bit more recently a few years ago. So I played in, you know, a multiple different aspects of the show. I played in 2000 and to 2004 and then most recently in 2019. So we will probably have a, a separate podcast about kind of the evolution of Survivor. But what I find interesting, sometimes when I say interesting is a placeholder word for something that you don't really, sometimes it's fascinating, sometimes it's frustrating, but the the changes in the game and gameplay, I find fascinating. Right. And and this like this past season with um, uh, the guy who won um, uh, uh, what the Gabriel. G- yeah, Gabriel. Gabe, I don't like that. I almost turned the show off like I, I was so frustrated with how that jury voted. But at the same time, um, th- there's been this evolution now where it's no longer like they, they're starting to look uh, forward to say, who is going to win this game? I need to get them eliminated by, you know, the one of the last tribal councils because that, that person's going to get to the jury and win. So you end up getting members of the, uh, you get final three who might not necessarily be the best players. And it's it's really, it's really frustrating to watch because there are people in the jury who are far better players who should be on in that final three. So I, I'm I'm curious what your interpretation is, having played the game now three times and being in different roles, how, how you see that. I agree with you. I feel that based on some of the new twists, uh, clues, advantages, ways to back at it, get back in the game, um, an average or below average player can get far in the game because I think a lot more is based on luck versus your own kind of um, decisions and strategy. Yes. So what I mean by that is there's a shot in the dark. You know, there's a secret, you know, cl- you know, clues and disadvantages. Uh, when I play, there's uh, fire tokens. You could actually, there's actually a currency. You could buy product out there. You know, you could use that money to try to buy clues and give clues. So like an average player or below average, the good 
players aren't doing well because if you play too hard, then it puts a target on your back. So the folks that are kind of hovering in between um, and kind of turn it on towards the tail end when you're getting towards the final tribal, I think they're performing better. I mean, if you look at the Gabler season, right, the two people that were, you know, next to him, um, they had one more chance, you know, Gabler, I think only won two challenges, didn't really find many idols. The other players did a lot better in that sense of the game, but he nailed the final tribal. He did. His speed was perfect. The other people, you know, definitely struggled in their presentation of their self with the final tribal council. But well, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I'm, known to love the old school game because I feel the aspects of the game that makes survivor survivor are one, you need to be able to like survive the elements. You need to be able to not receive any votes and you need to be able to vote people off. And there's some people that are getting to the end of the game without doing any of that stuff. Uh, look at Ben's season. Ben didn't win one challenge, but he found three idols. So, yeah. and then he won the game. That, right. That's yeah. I, I, I we, we kind of sound like old man, sh you know, shouting at cloud here, like back in my day, survivor meant about surviving that. But there, there's something to that with that. Now, like, listen, they give like back in the like my skill set as a human, like um, I think I'm better at suffering than anyone else out there. Right. So I want it to be as difficult as I'm Jewish. Right. So like I love it. Suffering is in my blood. You know, I've been through cancer twice. Like, give it to me. So like my strategy out there was like, I wanted to, like I can starve better than anyone also. So like my goal was to starve people out out there. So I was making larger than normal portions of rice. I was eating all the coconuts because when all the food went away, I do better, right? So those little things that they give you water now, before they never gave you water, you had to walk 45 minutes and get your own water, wow. boil it, five minutes to drink it. So like the survival aspect is minimized. Now you just have to know how to be uncomfortable. The game's now 26 days versus 39 days. I was on the edge of extinction longer than it, the person won last season. Which, like, so. Well, okay, but both of you, Dan and Ethan, why, why do you think it's evolved like that? Just because, do you think it's just like insurance reasons? They're like, fuck, we can't get sued if we like leave these people without water. Like, do you think it's just more that it's just become so hypersensitive or do you think they just kind of like they want to produce it as quickly as possible it's easier that way um you know i do feel i mean jeff i think is incredible at what he does he's a great host he's now executive producer yeah. he's involved in casting he does challenges so he's got his his hands on everything and i think he does a great job of keeping it new and fresh and exciting i do think the show they try to mimic a little bit on what's going on in the real world mm. um and so they try to if you look at the way the show is cast these days you know there's definitely more diversity uh in the cast than way back in the day um i think they're the way information is shared and passed uh, on, in within the show is very similar to how information is passed here. It's quick, it's instant, it's Twitter, it's Instagram, you know, it's uh, Snapchat. So like uh, the, the way he's producing the show, I think they try to kind of, he wants to create a real life situation, but you know, on an island where you're taking away food, water, and you're playing for a million bucks. Like he wants to replicate what's going on in the real world, put them out on the island and just see what happens. So I think they do a really good job at that. So when they're doing all these twists and turns and changes, uh, I think it's a good thing. Um, it's not any better or worse. It's just different. Yeah. That's the kind of way I explain it to everyone. And I think it's exciting for me personally, 
I'm not good at the way the game's played today. It's just not my game. Uh, it's a lot more strategic. Uh, personal relationships don't really matter that much. Everyone that goes on the show, if they get voted off, they're like hugging each other on the way out. Like I want to see people crying and their dreams crushed. Like they're going in with the mentality that this is a game. I'm a game player. This is no different than playing a game of chess and I lose. Whereas like when we played, it was everything. Like everything out there you know, is magnified and, you know, every decision you make has a huge impact. And if you got voted off, you were crushed and you hated people for doing it. Now it's like, yeah. let's just go out and have fun and see what happens. It's, it's yeah, almost, happen. it's almost generational. Not again, yeah, not to sound old, you know, like an old man yelling at a cloud, but <laughs> when you're looking at say Gen X Gen, or not Gen X, Gen Z millennials, you know, there is this like, and you see it in other aspects with 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 professional sports too, with with this generation of athletes. Where, you know, I grew up in the '80s NBA, where players hated each other, and there were there there were brawls on the court. I'm a Pistons fan, so like that, like that's that's what I'm used to, and and it would be unheard of for players on one team to be like, yeah, I want to go play with this other guy on this other team. Where it seems like there's much more of a, a kumbaya kind of feeling. Not to say that I mean there are still some your survivor villains who are a little more cutthroat and 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 strategic. Um, but who are they now? I mean, back in the day, you knew them. You know what I mean? Like, no well, one will ever forget I, Richard. Hatt. No, and no I think will... that's where I think where th- those individuals have to be far more subtle in the game. But I think it also goes back to what you were saying, Ethan, about all the variations and the chance and the luck that that comes out comes down to it, and 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 it makes it. I think far more variable and to me a little more frustrating because I think it punishes the good players. Now, that being said, you could make the argument that the good players have to be able to, to react and respond well to all those changing circumstances. But to me, it just seems like there's way, like there was a, a, a moment in one of the immunity um, uh, tribal councils uh, last year where there were like, five or six different idols that could potentially be played. And while that chaos is kind of exciting, it's also almost overwhelming. Um, So it's, I wonder how much of this is catering toward a new audience versus individuals like ourselves who grew up or, or had uh, time, time, you know, this was part of our formative years. Yeah, I, I think uh, it is catering to a new audience because the folks that grew up with it, like us, now have kids that are old enough that are watching it. And those are the kids that maybe they're trying to uh, entice or to watch Survivor. I think this season, Jeff has his, a new podcast where he actually goes behind the scenes and tells you the production mm. and the decisions production made Um and why they did it and how that played out in the show. I haven't listened to an episode yet. I just kind of saw the promotions, but that seems like a really neat idea because I think a lot of people do question why they made some of the choices or why they put in that uh, challenge or that clue. Uh, But I, I do feel that uh, it's just, it's a lot, you know, it's a lot when you can't track of everything that's going on and you kind of just like, I'm going to see, I'm going to see what happens. And now, like, the, the oldest player out there was Gabler. He was, like, 44, 45. Like, back then, you know, I had Kim Johnson. She was a 59-year-old school teacher. You know, big Tom Buchanan was, like, uh, you know, mid-40s. You know, Lex, the same. I was 27 at the time. But, you know, there was a good mix of, you know, ages, not as much diversity back then, of course. But now it's definitely skewing towards just a little bit of a younger audience. Yep. 
couple nice. couple rapid fire survivor yeah, questions because go I'm gonna yes. then I gotta bow out and let my Ooh. let my wife actually host her own podcast. No, no, it's great. Uh, the out of your three seasons, what yeah. and and what was the most? Which of the was, was the most gratifying for you? Because they were accomplishments, obviously. Winning season three, you know, being uh, and then All Stars being the last winner standing, right? Uh, and then. The the edge of extinction just seemed miserable, and and kudos to anyone like the, the number of people who stayed is impressive. So when you think about those three seasons, which one do you find the most satisfactory or gratifying? It's uh, well, I feel it was Survivor Africa, just because um, it was a new. The show at the time is still is only the third season. Mm. Reality TV wasn't where it is today. There was only Survivor, and I think maybe like Joe Millionaire came out, and then then American Idol and Amazing Race, and that stuff started to happen. The real world was around. So like going into a new um, model of television, performing well on the world stage, winning that money, and being able to use that money and the platform it gave me to do other good things in the world. That's been the most gratifying. Having said that, coming back after, you know, two bouts with cancer and 16 years of smoking weed on the couch um, and playing Survivor uh, season 40, Winners at War. No, I didn't smoke weed for 16 years. I was joking. Um, but that was gratifying, too, in the sense that, like, to be able to even just get myself in a position mentally, physically, spiritually to go play the game of Survivor again was a huge hurdle to overcome. Um, yeah. So that was gratifying. Obviously, the way it played out edge of extinction i renamed it eoe which is the end of ethan because that place literally almost killed me it's like purgatory in the south pacific and it was just torture it was there's nothing to do there's no food there's barely any water it's freezing at night it's hot during the day the days are long the nights are longer and the people out there you know i didn't have much of a chance i felt to get back in the game so you're just kind of sitting there withering away to nothing and so um, for me, I had to establish kind of a different mindset when I was out there. Like I had some goal games and some life games. Like my goal games, my, my game goals were like, I want to blindside, you know, I want to win a challenge, I would do all that stuff. And then the life goals were like, I don't want to die. That's one thing. You know, I, I want to be able to make friends. I want to see a sunset, all that you know, hippy dippy stuff. So I achieved that. I didn't achieve the, the, the game goals as okay. much as I want. Um, who's the goat? Who's the survivor goat? Oh, that's tough you know the survivor i mean it's for me it's between like a boston rob and a tony you know i feel you know sandra as very much respect to sandra i mean no one can win a game twice it's very difficult but her gameplay and her style of play for me i i just didn't resonate with me you know she didn't necessarily enjoy competing in challenges um she's very good at the social game very good at strategy um but you know she got to the edge of extinction and she she left which you know whether that's a good thing or bad thing i don't know boston rob you know a great player then again he had to play four times before he won you know and he's only come in second once and he won once and the rest of the time he didn't make the jury so like is he a good player i don't know he's a good character but seeing how he plays the game and aligning with them and seeing his philosophies and his decision-making was interesting to me to be out there. And Tony, listen, everyone knew this guy was 
a threat. And anyone, every single person that came to the edge of extinction was like, got to watch out for Tony. And But they said it with a smile on their face. So when they're coming to the edge of extinction and you love the guy that voted you out, you know he's doing something right. And so he played the game incredibly smooth. Obviously, he ended up winning. And, uh, you know, I think he's a, a great player as well. Uh, how, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being like the best feeling in the world, how great is that first shower after you've after the game is over? <laughs> oh yeah, it's uh, it's a ten. Okay. It's definitely a ten. Yeah, especially on seasons like you know Survivor Africa, where there was no body of water. At least on the other seasons, you can kind of swim in the ocean and scrub yourself with sand and take a dump. You know, the aqua dump is is, <laughs> is a good a good uh, model. So that didn't happen on Africa. So getting that shower on Africa was just as a blessing. And and then I'm always what I don't know and I, and I could pro- always do a deep dive but when when you're eliminated when you're when the show's done you go to the survivor ranch, right? Or like, yeah. like what what do you do when you're oh, yeah, there? Like the is ranch? it just like you just sit at poolside and, and and drink margaritas? Like what what do you what what do people do in that time? In that time you are eating a significant amount of food all day every day. Uh but you're kind of just also talking a little bit about what happened and you're still well on the, at least on the season 40 the other two seasons one africa i didn't have to live there and then um all stars which was from panama i didn't make the jury so they just send you away on vacation send me away with jerry and colby who like i really don't want to go on vacation with them <laughs> um so then, but season 40, you were still there because you're still part of the show because you're still on the jury. So that was interesting because of my first time. And, and towards the end, people are campaigning for the folks that are still in the game, discussing like what they should do in order for they get our vote, what their play would be, you know, how they should, you know, manage these next three, four day, days of the game. So that was kind of fun because you're kind of still part of the game, but you're out of the game and you're just kind of living poolside, as you said uh you know eating and drinking and just bitching about life and why you should have won i'm get, wait no what else what else no, the, the, i mean the only other thought is like you, you you made the joke about the the survivor ptsd i don't know if this was on oh. on camera or if this when we were talking beforehand but are there i mean we all have uh, you're a competitor you played you played competitive soccer professional soccer and we all have moments in our playing history when we look back and be like, oh, I wish I would have done that differently, right? And it doesn't matter how many years ago it was or, or what you've accomplished since, but do you still have those moments when you think about uh, Survivor of, I wish I would have done this differently? Yes. Yeah, 100%. Especially on this most recent season, I aligned with uh, Adam Klein, which was a big mistake. And, you know, in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have aligned with Rob and Parvati just in the sense that like I looked at it as they were my meat shields, like they're going to be the biggest threats ever going to be going after them. And what ended up happening is I got caught in the crossfire. They're like, we need to weaken poverty and rob. And the best way they do that is get rid of Ethan. And that's because, uh, you know, Adam had wanted to vote off poverty, who was my alliance. So like, and I aligned with Adam. So like, it just caused this whole chaos. If I had to do it again, I probably wouldn't have done it that way. So yeah, I think about that all the time, to be honest, like, I really do. Having said that, and I argue with Boss and Rob about this, he's like, dude, 
you will would have never ever won. No one's gonna let the cancer guy get to the final two. You know, so like you, he's like, there's no way you're gonna win. So it's like, I don't know. He's like, why are you still bitching about this? He's like, whether you got voted off then or maybe a couple episodes later, you were never getting to the end. And I'm like, that's not true. I was gonna get to the end. He's like, listen, that's a good point. It, yeah, you, it's they a never great point. And, and, and probably guy. only Boston Rob would have phrased it that way to the rest yeah. of the contestants. You know, in the, in the in the back of everyone's mind, we're like. Yeah, we can't let Ethan get to the the final three. Yeah, like the the do gooder cancer guys. You know, everyone's gonna vote for you, me, if I make it to the final three. And so I, in my mind, it's funny because I actually spoke. You meet with Jeff Prost before the game starts, and you know, I was just so naive because I spoke to him like, "Listen, Jeff, do not ask me any questions about cancer." Like, I don't want oh. people to know I had cancer. And then he's like, they're like, remember. ding, ding, ding. That, those are going to be the first three. <laughs> you gave it. You and served he, it. I said, if I bring it up, we can talk about it. And I'll talk about it in my confessionals, but publicly don't talk about cancer. And then finally, obviously, I got voted out and it didn't even matter. Because, like, you know, I just don't want to remind everyone that, like, I'm the cancer guy on a daily basis. Meanwhile, I'm sure that's what they thought. No, but basis. but, to, to you know, it's funny when you when you, you phrase it this way, you're trying, you know, you're trying to be competitive. But the reality is probably one of the highest compliments you can receive in the game of Survivor is to be voted out because you are a threat like that. That, that, that it's 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 bittersweet, but it has to be one of the one of the best compliments. Like we can't let this guy win because he's too good of a person and too good of a competitor. Like that has to be at least a little feather in your cap. Hero breads. Oh my gosh. Chef's kiss. Do you love carbs? I'm obsessed. Give me a croissant. Give me a tortilla, baby. Every day, slathered with some hummus. Yes, please. And then a lot of veggies, a little turkey burger in it. Okay. Um, That's my own proprietary sandwich. Thanks. (laughs) Hero breads right now offering 10% off. Go to hero.com. Co. Enter the promo code TSFS. You are getting 10% off. Now, Hero Bread is so delicious and flavorful, soft, fluffy. In fact, so fluffy that KJ loves it slathered with butter and cinnamon every day. They're known for their products to have zero to one grams of net carbs, zero sugar, and high in fiber. So what are you waiting for? Don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code TSFS at checkout. That's TSFS at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Want your life back? Order Hungry Root. It's actually as simple as that. Truly, Hungry Root is the best meal kit service I have ever worked with because they have meals that take 12 minutes. Guys, if you are a busy mom like I am, KJ now just started swim lessons. And on the night that he has swim lessons, we're not home until six. I'm trying to make dinner, trying to get him rested and down for bedtime. When I see that number 12, and I know in 12 minutes I can have a healthy meal, I'm turned on. All right. <laughs> You will be too. Hungry Roots website, so easy to use as well. You just go, you can type in a type of cuisine or if you like chicken, or you can do preset where you tell them you're vegetarian, keto, or you're a meat lover. Right now, get 40% off. My listeners are getting 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash TSFS and get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash TSFS. Don't forget to use my link so they know who sent you and get 40% off right now and free veggies for life. 
Do you hear that? That is the sound of the brand new and delicious You Natural Conception for her in their juicy strawberry gummy flavor. Oh my, this is now my favorite thing to take. It's a fertility aid. If you haven't heard about them, they are unbelievable with thousands of five-star reviews on Amazon. Go and read them for yourself. And they're famous for their Conception for Her and Conception for Him formula, which Schman, my hubby, has been taking for over a month because it takes two to tango. Conception for Her Fertility Aid is a well-researched baby. They have ingredients like ashkawanda, zinc, magnesium that can help you on that journey to have a healthy baby. So what are you waiting for? Go and order now. You're going to love it, and I want to hear from you. Check out You Natural on Amazon and use code FRASER20 for 20% off Conception for Her, Conception for Him, and the Conception Bundle. That's EU Natural on Amazon, or follow the link on our website for 20% off Conception for Her, Conception for Him, and the Conception Bundle with the promo code Frasier 20. That's F-R-A-S-E-R. The number's two, zero. How ironic. I love this. Got a new podcast for you to listen to. Yes, I do. It's the Dr. John Delani Show. Schman and I were actually playing a clip from Dr. John's podcast because he was doing the topic of are youth travel sports ruining families? Well, Dr. John Delani has over 20 years of sitting with families and dealing with hurting people and mental health issues. He has a PhD in counseling. Delani walks alongside real people as they navigate tough decisions. And this is actually something that I really enjoy about his show. It's caller driven. I feel like I'm going to have to get a collar-driven show, Dr. John. I love this. Anyway, listen to the Dr. John Delani Show wherever you get your podcast, or you can follow the link in the description of this podcast episode. I always make it very, very easy to find my sponsors and people that I partner with. So start downloading and listening today to the Dr. John Delani Podcast. Enjoy. 10 years ago, I lost 60 pounds mindful eating, and today I have kept the weight off. I never think about food. I never count calories. Honey, I don't even use one of those darn trackers or apps. I live with food freedom, and I want that for you if you are ready and you want it. And that's where My Optimal Body comes into play. Visit MyOptimalBody.com to request an appointment, and be sure to let them know that the Sarah Fraser Show sent you so you can qualify for a free personalized assessment plus a bonus free 30-day supply of of their gut repair product when you sign up for a customized plan. That is myoptimalbody.com to request an appointment. Why I wanted to partner with Dr. Applin is because he is a doctor that gets to the cellular and gut reason of why you can't lose weight and keep it off. They also work with your mental capacity as well. So many of us are emotional eaters. They address that and their clients see long-term success. If you are ready to lose weight, keep it off, and you don't want to do crazy ozempic, myoptimalbody.com and tell them the Sarah Fraser show sent you. You know, it's a better feather in the cap. Winning. Million dollars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Million dollars. Even, but there was a stretch there. You did a bunch of reality shows, Fear Factor, Amazing Race, Survivor multiple times. You know, when you. Ego challenge, you know, yeah, it was what on else? Uh, Hollywood Squares, Family Feud. I wouldn't necessarily call those, uh, you know, reality shows. I was on Celebrity Paranormal Project. That's that right. Was, That's uh, right. So, y- y- are you I was like. On Kill Reality. Kill Reality on E was basically they had a bunch of reality stars living in a house while they filmed a B list 
horror flick. And like, that was a whole thing too. I don't know if you remember that reality show. That was a disaster. Um, I was on Celebrity Apprentice for uh, a couple episodes because Richard Hatch was playing for Grassroots Stalker. So like, I uh, I made myself around the uh, reality wow, TV. Wow, you did Celebrity, okay, back in, back in the day with Trump. Was Trump, Trump hosting it? Okay, with Trump. And um, oh my God, you did that. I mean, whole- wasn't a contestant on Celebrity Apprentice. Richard, but okay. Richard was, and so he played, everyone plays for charity. So he played for grassroots soccer. So I was able to go be on the show for a couple episodes. Why did you say yes to all this real- these reality shows? Well, I came, I felt that it had my celebrity in quotes for those listening had an expiration date and I wanted to get in. I wanted to have a really incredible time. And then when it was over. I just wanted to be happy with the experience and, and I'd be fine if it was over. So whenever anyone called me, of course, I'd say, yes, why not? Like, you know, I really wasn't too concerned with uh, like winning or losing. Obviously I wanted to win. I wanted to do well, but it was all about having fun. And for me, I could justify all these appearances because I was, you know, working, you know, for the charity that I started grassroots soccer. So like, yeah, I'll do fear factor, but you're gonna let me wear a grassroots soccer t-shirt. Yeah. I'll do celebrity apprentice, but you're playing for grassroots soccer. I'll do amazing race. I wear grassroots soccer. So for me, it was a way to uh, have fun, to promote the work that I'm doing in the world and maybe win a couple of shekels on the side. Yeah, well, I, and I phrase that as though I would say no. Like, I mean, I'm a complete TV whore. Like, I would do everything, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've done what, what reality show would you be on if you could be on any reality show? Oh, Ask, or- I'd be on Housewives, but we're too poor. Like, I'm obsessed with how. Like, I love Housewives. I would totally fight with everyone. I would throw a table at someone. I don't care at all. I have so much, like, inner anger that I don't what let out. What would your, like, housewife, like... I'm, and then you say a little tagline. What would your tagline be? Oh, Have you thought God. of that? No, I, I really... Po- I've posed that question to her as well because... I feel like we came up with some years ago, but what were they? Something about you being a, I don't know, a, a bitch somewhere. And I don't, I don't, it's not the, her words, not mine. Oh, uh, is that it? But you know, that's a good segue, though, because I, I think we're brothers in arms. We we both have spouses who are knee deep in uh, watching reality TV shows. Yeah. What what is What are you held held hostage to watch on a regular basis uh the real housewives franchise all but potomac i pretty much uh am deep in but you know uh summer house uh oh wow yeah you watch you know i love below deck i love all the versions of below deck i love summer house but you know i do love kind of the shows where you actually need a skill to win like a top chef like a project runway uh like some of the music shows i dip in and out of the voice and american idol so like you know there are no employable skills that you gain from winning survivor or amazing race or fear factor but these other shows where you actually need to be good at something that's impressive to me um i, I appreciate that so no no thousand pound sisters are married at first sight. That's the you're, you're, uh, married at first sight. Uh, the one where they're talking between the walls. I forget what that love one is was. blind. Yeah. Yes, we've watched love, love is blind. That the circle. I watched the circle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like we get invited to these kind of react. You you need to come to the next and do a live podcast from Hearts of Reality in Celebration, Florida, next December. There's over like 120, 150 reality TV stars from The Challenge, Survivor, Amazing Race. Oh my God, we have to go. Island Master, American Idol, uh, Top Chef, everything you want, they're there, and you would just have a, a wonderful, adventurous weekend. 
So when you watch these shows, are you able to switch your reality star brain off and just enjoy it? Or do you watch and oh, be yeah, like, no, they, this was a bad edit. This there, this this was cut from production, or this was the <laughs> like. Are you able to just turn your brain off and watch, or are you always watching with a critical eye? I'm always watching with a critical eye, but you know, I like I'm playfully negative, I guess you can say, about all reality TVs. You know, I'm like, you know, because you know, for example, like on the on the Housewives, like there's so much drama, right? And it's fun and exciting, but. I'd like to learn a little bit more about these women and find women that have like real jobs and are doing real things and real yeah. personalities and they got stuff going on. Like I loved actually the first season of The Real Housewives of, was it Dubai? Oh yeah, that just came out. Yeah, uh, yeah, you liked it. Yeah, because I got a little taste. I got to see what Dubai was like. I don't really know. And yeah. Some of these women actually seem like they're doing real things and I learned about the culture and that was interesting to me. Now what's going on in like, you know, Beverly Hills, like, I don't know. Do I need another Hilton on the season? I don't know. Yeah. Um, although I would like to see all three of them, like uh, Kathy, Kim Kyle, and-, and Kyle. Yes, I would too. Well, my, it's my- becoming now these Real Housewives. It's almost becoming a a sport in the sense that they are hiring like research analysts to find the dirt on every content, every person coming on or the new person coming on, so they have like something to hurl at them to create drama, like. That's not. I don't like. No, the it's it's stuff. it's evolved. And and I my my running joke every time my wife turns the show on is, oh, I've seen this episode before. This is when two of the women yell at each other, and then they go have coffee the next day to settle settle things out. You know, okay. it's like that's that's pretty much the 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 storybook or the the paint by numbers episodes. But it is uh, it's fascinating though. There all of the do. You, is there, you mentioned all the different reality TV stars, quote unquote, that exist. Is there a hierarchy when you think, well, like, is there like either either culturally or maybe just in your mind, you're like, I was on Survivor. I was on three seasons <laughs> of Survivor. You're on this podunk show that, you know, gets a thousand viewers a, 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 an episode. Is there is there a hierarchy? I mean, yeah, of course. Well, I'm just thinking like community, like, is there, are there social circle circles? Like you walk around and you're like, oh, there's Tammy from Thousand Pound Sisters uh, and you're in awe or is she in awe of you? Like, how does this work? I mean, from my experience, I feel like Survivor is the top of the pyramid um, and then it trickles down from there. However, I think there's a divider between like competition reality shows and just I don't know, this is your life reality show. Uh, and so I think in the hierarchy of competition shows, Survivor's at the top. I haven't seen another show that's, you know, surpassed them in terms of, mm. you know, just skill and difficulty and uh, total. I mean, maybe know, like Nick and Jessica Lachey, newlyweds, when that for, that was like super hot, that was like really, really good, but yeah. I was like, you know, all Mark Burnett shows, Shark Tank, The Fighter, Rockstar, oh, yeah, Pirate Tank. Master, Eco Challenge, Survivor, like all those are 
you know, I still like love those shows back in the day. Um, all right, wait, I, I want to like, I know we have some limited time with you and I want you to stick around for this part. Why not? You know, okay. We have to switch on, gears. Stay, I, stay here. Don't stay, leave me. Oh, please. You guys are like best pal. Believe me. Like if I were exited from this, you guys would be just fine. You talk for two hours. Um, but I want to talk cancer and then I want to talk um, medical marijuana, like cannabis. We love, we love talking cannabis. Um, but we, you know, the three of us do share something that's kind of sad in common, which is we all lost our dads. Like your dad died when you were 14. My dad passed away from cancer when I was 15. Dan lost his dad at like 25. I'm curious, how has, how has losing a parent impacted you? It's, I mean, impacted me significantly. You know, uh, I actually just turned my dad's age this year. So my dad died when he was 49 years old. Oh, my I dad just, died when he was 49 too. That's crazy. Wow. What did your dad die of? He had stomach and esophageal cancer. And Dan, yeah. your dad, your uh, pink, he, he passed from pancreatic and lung cancer. My dad was colorectal cancer. So wow. yeah, dad loves over here. Well done. We're part of the same tribe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it definitely impacted, you know, my life, you know, my only connection to cancer was through my dad. And so then when I was diagnosed, you know, it, you know, I easily thought I was going to die, but you know, I'm like I mentioned, I'm Jewish. And uh, one thing that I think was helpful for me is like, you know, my friends from school, my teammates, but the, you know, the community reached out and embraced me, they embraced my family. So just getting a good sense of kind of um, human kindness at that time in my life was very helpful for me. I think it gave me a perspective on life where, mm. you know, the things that truly matter. And it definitely sent me on a trajectory to want to kind of do good in the world and to help others. Uh, because of, you know, I just had such major loss um, that it was just it became part of my life. Like I went to school to be a doctor, right? Because my dad died, I want to be a doctor. And I'm in, you know, as a Jew, you're either a doctor, a lawyer, or a disappointment. So one of the three, so I was going in that route. <laughs> However, it didn't really work out for me. I ended up going on reality TV. Uh, but how did losing your parents, you know, affect you guys? Do you Same feel way. Like yeah, same way. I mean, I think, you know, right? It sticks with you forever. Like, you know, you and and I think too the we talk a lot about the work that we do, I think in a way is like to honor them or like to, you know, I think you channel them in in crazy ways too. And and cuz you've done more than most people have done like in like two lifetimes, right? I mean, you know, you have this amazing grassroots organization that's helped you know, kids and, and communities with HIV AIDS, you're a motivational speaker, a two-time cancer survivor, survivor winner. Like, I just wonder where you, are you, are you hyper-organized? Are you like honoring do, do you your ever dad? Just take a, do you ever just take a break? Like, yeah, what's, what's going on? Star. Like, I wonder, you know, because I, I think. You're making the rest of us look bad is, is, an, is another <laughs> way of saying this. But, and I'm tying this into like the dad thing because yeah. I think both of us do work that I think maybe our dads, like their lives were cut short that they couldn't do. I wonder like if your incredible drive is from your dad or if it's from something totally separate. Maybe, you know. I feel that, I don't know, the, like, I, my, obviously my mom was an incredible mom and supported me in everything I did, but you ne I never got that, like, you know, fatherly, like, slap on the back, say, you're doing a good job, kid, you know? So I don't know if it stems from that, where, like, I just, you know, maybe I'm a little bit of a perfectionist, overachiever, uh, but on the other side of that, I'm not afraid to put myself in, like, new and unknown circumstances where like I'm forced to respond 
to different challenges. Like that excites me. The idea of failing doesn't really scare me anymore because, mm. you know, I feel I understand even before I got my own cancer that like life is short. Like, I just want to try things. I want to live life. I want to experience it because yeah, my dad didn't have that opportunity. And obviously when I got diagnosed, you know, it just kind of, um, put all that under a microscope even more. And then, you know, once I got better, I wanted to do even more and I wanted to experience even more and help even more people. So I think it was just kind of a uh, part of the trajectory, but it, it's, it wasn't easy for me and it still isn't easy for me to think of the loss of my father, even though it's been you know, oh, 30 I years. know it's the same with us, like very emotional still, like, like you said, 30 years later, you could still be emotional about it. It's crazy. Um, yeah. All right, 2009, like a crazy year for you. You're diagnosed with a rare form of Hodgkin's lymphoma. You know, we, we had some sad news. Let's pile it on here and talk more cancer. You know, <laughs> That's, But I mean, were you like, uh, there must've been a moment. You're like, how the fuck? My dad died of cancer. I, I can't believe I have cancer. Like, what are the chances? I mean, I think we're both paranoid. We go for screenings all the time. I go into the, do- we've done genetic testing. We're like, every time I go, I'm like, I want all the tests. Cause I mean, my mom's had cancer twice too. Both parents. So were you were you like there's no way I could have it too or you always in the back of your mind thought I could have it? No, you know, I my dad had colorectal cancer, so I was like, you know, I love a colonoscopy. Who doesn't love a good colonoscopy, right? <laughs> so, you know, I would look forward to my yearly colonoscopy, but you know, you're supposed to get them when you're 50. I got it for my 30th birthday. That's how concerned I was. So, wow. it definitely my mind, but it was colon cancer. So, and there, you know, I thought I had it under control. I was super healthy, super fit, maybe to an extreme. I don't know. And so my presenting symptom for symptom was itchy skin, you know, so I had some itchy skin, but then, you know, you're 35 years old. You don't think it's you. I was training for the New York city marathon and, you know, I just let it kind of go on and I didn't necessarily go see a doctor and about four months of wondering what was going on inside my body, like a swollen lymph node popped out of my neck and they found a mass in my chest. And that's when I was like, I'm going to die. Because like I said, my only connection to cancer was through my dad. And the only person I knew in my life that had had cancer was my dad. No one my age had cancer. None of my friends had gone through it. So I was incredibly scared, petrified, uh, you know, and I I didn't want to die, obviously. You know, and, and I guess like you really, you know, you are an OG reality star person, but I've watched a lot of the clips like when you were diagnosed. I mean, you got your hair cut on TV with, I think, like Entertainment Tonight or something. I mean, you, you know, I mean, did that's you, what you do when you get cancer, right? <laughs> did you ever say to yourself, hey, maybe I need this like time to not share this publicly? I mean, it, you kind of dove right in to like basically peeling it back and being a reality star again with something that was so uncertain. Yeah. So I was incredibly fearful of like opening up my life to complete strangers all over again, like I did on Survivor. But to be honest, you know, it stemmed from, and this is a take on pop culture. I've never been more famous than I was when people found out I got sick. I don't know what that says about us as a a culture, but when there were people sitting out my door trying to get a photo of me bald, with chemo on a walker, I'm like, I kind of need to take control of this. I need to be in charge of my own narrative because I don't want anyone telling my own story. And so then that's kind of one of the reasons why I chose to be public because I didn't want to have to deal with other people telling my story. And so I 
chose to go public with my story. And part of that was documenting my time, the highs and lows of my life on people.com. And we had a little vlog at the time, but no one had done anything like that. Yeah. Really an inside look at a young adult going through cancer um, and whether it helped or not, one part of it was it was a distraction from the reality of my own situation. And, you know, you go through the why me, why me scenarios. And if I can somehow use this crisis to help other people, then it kind of rationalizes or justifies or gives me a sense of purpose on why this may be happening to me. So for me, like focusing on the plight and focusing on the challenges of other human beings, like helped me heal a little bit in the middle of my own nightmare. Mm. So I'm not going to say it was fun or exciting or or anything like the likes. Obviously, the external attention coming in was nice. There's so much support out there from fans and people everywhere. Um, but it also caused some issues. You know, being public when you may not have a happy ending is not always a great narrative, right? So, like, I was at this and I didn't know what was going to happen at the end, and neither did anyone else. And so I got better and I was great and I went and played the amazing race and then they came back and I relapsed. Right. So getting the news that the cancer returned was deflating. And I'm like, Oh, oh shit, yeah. I have to do this all over again. What's that going to be like? Do I do it public again? Do I have private? Like now I really may die. And those were scary thoughts. And there, I still have those thoughts today. There's dump trucks full of uncertainty, invisible scars that need healing. And how- cannabis, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Please, I want to talk about how about the crunch bowl no let's no this is this is but it, it's these are this is real talk it's real, and, yeah. and I, I feel like there are so many uh setbacks or tragedies families encounter and and it's natural to kind of just bring everything internal yeah and and because you don't either because you don't want to share it or you don't want to burden other people with it but the reality is that this is far more common than than I think people realize, and and when you can share that, it it does help to recognize, hey, other people are going through this too. But it it, it can be mutually beneficial. Where uh, for for the people watching you go through it, they realize they're not alone, and and by you putting it out there, you're getting new interactions with individuals who are sharing hey i've I've gone through this too and it's it's got to be um reassuring to some degree and rewarding because you're you're feeling strengthened but you're also providing that strength and support to others so it's 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 i don't think i don't think we give enough talk to this you know it's just like mental health It's, it's 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 there's almost like a stigma like you don't talk about it uh, either because of, uh, I don't know, signs of weakness or, or, well, or what? Well, I think like Ethan said too, it's the uncertainty, right? I mean, if, you, if you're if you diagnosed with bipolar, it's like, am I going to get better ever? Am I going to relapse? You know, are people going to think I'm crazy? You know, I mean, and it's the same thing like you said with cancer. You know, you put it all out there, you're in remission, then then you find out again. It's like, oh, what's the outcome going to be? It's, it's hard to like bear your soul when you don't know, yeah. you know, what it's yeah, going to be mean- like. Cancer is a really lonely and uncontrollable feeling. Yeah. And you really know what that experience is like unless you go it through yourself. And it's different for each person. You know, so when you feel alone, like devastatingly alone, and there's no one there that can comfort you, 
it's a really scary feeling. And, you know, for their organizations out there that can help with that, which, you know, I support one called Immerman Angels, one called Cancer Buddy, where they will, I was 35 years old, you know, Jewish, had a girlfriend, played soccer, had lymphoma. They matched me up with a 35 year old Jewish guy that had a girlfriend, played soccer, and he mentored me through my cancer. So, you know, my family's great. I love them as much as they can. They're incredibly supportive, but they come to the situation with a little bit of a bias. So for me to go outside of my family circle and talk to people and feel less alone. And I went to these like outdoor adventure camps for young adult cancer survivors. And I was part of, you know, support groups and I did psychotherapy and I did art therapy, music therapy. I did everything I could to make myself feel a little bit in more control of my own body, mind, and spirit. Like when a doctor tells you to do something, it would die. You pretty much do it. There's no choice there. But however, when you are by yourself with a pocket full of pills that they prescribe and you're like just alone in the world, it's scary. And I was uh, petrified and I didn't know what to do. And no one I knew was like me and had cancer. So, uh, you know, I'm pressing pause on my life and all my friends are just starting theirs and they're going out and they're partying and they're drinking and they're traveling. And here I am for five years stuck in my fucking uh, you know, 640 square foot apartment in New York City in a bubble because I can't go outside, you know, because I'm immunocompromised. Like, what do you do then? Right. Um, mm. And so there was some really lonely, dark moments in my life. Yes. yes. Oh, my God. No, which I got to go. I got to go. <laughs> Gonna go find the tallest building. Um, the, the, well, you know, let's let's talk cannabis because that. Yeah, had, is that? Yeah, tell me because I, I read on your website was it like your doctors wouldn't prescribe you cannabis right at the time, and right. like well, it wasn't necessarily legal at the time. This is two thousand and nine in New York City, so right. let's put that into perspective. Uh, they prescribed a synthetic form of THC, which is supposed to stimulate hunger, but. You know, I, I wouldn't take it. I'd just save up like five, six, seven of them and pop in at once just so I felt a little bit high. <laughs> so they're like, that's not really the application for this TAC, but go for it, Ethan. But yeah, like I, uh, I never touched this stuff. We're soccer players, right? Like in college, I, made, I smoked pot second semester of my senior year just to do something crazy before I graduated, but never touched the stuff. Wasn't part of my daily routine. I wanted to play pro. I was an athlete, whatever. Obviously, I knew of it, and a lot of my friends, you know, did it recreationally. So when I was diagnosed, and like I said, I was on this like horrible cyclical synthetic cycle where I was taking like Ativan for anxiety, I was taking Zoloft for my mood, I was taking uh, Percocet for pain, I was taking Lunestra for sleep, I was taking Cialis to get a fucking heart on. And then in the morning, I was ripping an Adderall to get enough energy to go to the doctors just to get blood tests, right? So this was every day. This is my every day, not including all the real meds for like, you know, immunocompromised and all the stuff you're taking for the cancer side of things. So it just wasn't it just wasn't a, a, a sustainable system for me. So I was just looking for alternative ways to help mitigate the side effects of cancer treatments. And so, you know, cannabis, I know about it. Um, and like you said, there's not one trained physician or oncologist or nurse at my hospital that could educate me about cannabis and how to take it or when to take it. And so I was on the streets of New York City, bald, in a mask, with chemo, talking to a drug dealer who sold coke and ecstasy and I'm like, can I just have a little bit of weed here? You know, 
And I didn't know if there was mold or if it was processed or how it was grown or any of that stuff. So I was doing an illegal activity on top of a horrible situation of cancer and just trying to do that myself wasn't a pleasurable experience. Wow. So that was the drive to get involved with medical marijuana and cannabis now. You know, so that so I didn't want anyone else going through cancer to have that experience. So at that time, I'm like, I, I would love to do something in the space. I want to raise awareness. I want to educate the world. I want to, uh, you know, promote plant based wellness and alternative therapies, whatever that looks like. Uh, and then it wasn't until, um, you know, until things got a little bit more popular in the cannabis world around uh, 2000. And for me, 2016, 17. Um, where I kind of just got more involved. And like when I'm not even talking post-cancer. Right. Like that's during cancer. Post-cancer, like I said, when like young adult cancer survivors face a different set of circumstances than pediatrics and older adults, right? Yeah. So like pediatrics, you know, you got your parents, you got health insurance, they're taking care of your life. Older adults, maybe you're married, you have a job, you have life insurance, health insurance, kids, like it's fine. But when you're a young adult and you survive cancer, you have your whole life to live. Fertility, job, health insurance, life insurance, um, yeah, which, you know, your friends. Yeah, by the way, life insurance, all those things are like impossible to now get uh, because, you know, you're cancer or you can get at an extremely high rate. You know, I mean, yeah, your whole life changes in so many ways. So like then you're you're managing all those things. And so I really had uh, debilitating anxiety and to the point where mm. I just was not living a life I was proud of. <laughs> you know, I always yeah. give the example of like, if you got kind of, and this goes with mental health and Imagine a beach ball, right? And you're at the beach and you're playing and it's fun and you want to like put the beach ball underwater and you sit on it and it's fun. But like, imagine if your goal was like, how long can you keep that beach ball underwater before it's going to start popping up mm. in weird ways, right? That's the same with like all my anxiety and my emotions. I was just trying to keep it down. I was trying to like, and then it was just popping up in weird ways because I wasn't talking to anyone. I wasn't taking care of it. I thought I was a dude. I was strong. I'll be able to handle this. No one can touch me. Ah. But that wasn't the case. And so I had to... I had to make a change. Um, what are the two companies that you're working with doing now in the medical marijuana space? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I'm more, you know, I'm just as excited. E, with TrueLeave, um, it's a uh, multi-state cannabis operator. They are the largest multi-state operator in the U.S. They have 160 shops in 11 states. And so they are, you know, a medical cannabis company. And so that's kind of where, you know, one would go to get your medical cannabis. And so I represent a couple different brands. Actually, you'll appreciate this, Dan. I was able to part of the ambassador program that I kind of launched with uh, True Leave was I ran the Boston Marathon while medicating on True Leave (laughs) product. Oh my God, that must have been a great It must have been a hell of a feeling. Schman would love that, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, like I said, I'd always uh, kept the two separate. And so now all of a sudden I brought them together. So it was kind of a little fun clinical trial on myself, like experimenting on what products to use, how to use it, when to use it, like pre-race, during race, post-race. But in the end, it it was an interesting experience. And, you know, my kind of goal with that is to kind of just little mini incremental shifts in perception. You yeah. know, you can be an active, healthy human being and still use medical cannabis, um, whether that's for anxiety or sleep or pain or, you know, cancer treatments, um, inflammation. So there's a lot of different uh, ailments that cannabis has been known to help. Um, so that's kind of like my connection with True Leave. On the flip side, there is 
an issue in the space where, you know, folks that do have medical conditions and want to use cannabis don't necessarily know how, like it's a really, if you walk into a cannabis dispensary, yeah, it's, it's very overwhelming. Yeah. I don't know if you've had, if you've ever seen one or ever been inside one, but tons of different products and packaging and doses. It's so and- hard. Yeah. We live in Los Angeles. It's like so designed. It looks like an Apple store and yep. you literally don't know. And, and you have, uh, they, they have bud tenders who, 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 who walk you through all this. Cause it's, it is, it's, it, it's an, where, where I grew up in Michigan, they, they've, uh, the recreational marijuana is now there and, and you walk into a shop and it's just like, you are, it, it's, it's, it is overwhelming is the best term if you're if you've never done it before and and you're you're ignorant to what the different products are yeah so imagine now you're walking in there and you got cancer and you got some college kid telling you what you should take like a dispensary is not a medical institution and a bud tender is not a doctor right so here you are walking as a patient walking into these shops and you know, they don't know what meds I'm on. You know, they don't know my yeah. pre-existing conditions. They don't know how to prescribe the proper forms of cannabis or dosage of cannabis that's going to best help me. So the the company that I'm working with now called EO, uh, EO.care, this is exactly what they do. It's personalized, physician-guided medical cannabis care. Wow. And so what ends up happening is you sign up on the platform and you enter all your information like your your history of uh conditions all the meds that you're currently on and their doctors will create a plan for you and not only do they create a plan for you they actually pick the products from a local dispensary that will best be suited for what your needs are and they get them delivered to your door you can go pick them up at the shop so it's a what real, a world yeah right yeah, what a I world know. Yeah, I think it's brilliant because now the system is you get your medical card, you never see that doctor ever again. And if you do want to see him, it's like a hundred bucks. And so now all of a sudden you can actually use the platform EO and you can kind of get this plan and there's prompts all along the way. Like, how did that make you feel? When did you take it? What was the dosage? And it will actually alter the plan um, to make your experience with cannabis more efficient, cheaper, uh, and it's just a, a much pleasure, more pleasurable experience to kind of go through the process. Oh, my God. Ethan Zahn, I mean, we've talked to you for like an hour. I mean, you and Schman here are running away to a 40 and over league um, somewhere. And London. <laughs> London, mm-hmm. yes. This was so fascinating. Thank you for sitting. You've had such an incredible life. Okay, next time you have to come on, and I just want to talk about, you know, your like, I, like winning mindset because – I don't know. I feel like I'm really close to being this winner, but I just then I'm I don't know. I get very distracted. What about I'm, I'm need, feeling uh, feeling a little amazing race going on right here. How do you guys feel about have you, that? Have it? you traveled with my wife before? It's it's it's. <laughs> well, first of all, I am not a survivor. Like, believe me, I like luxury. Like, I I don't know how you did. I couldn't do it. Oh my god, I would have a meltdown on people. It would be awful. Please, I'd be giving blowjobs for water because I just wouldn't even want to walk. Like, it would be so like that. <laughs> that, is, that is in the rule book. I saw it. Yeah, uh, that, it's, yeah. it's it's. Uh, I mean, there there's different strategies sure. in the game. Schman's <laughs> yeah, um, used to my craziness. Yeah, we should do. We, 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 we no, we've we've um we travel well. Uh, we we travel. We work we tra- well together. We, we don't necessarily well. travel well together. There you go. Um, you know, I'm I'm I've thought about the Amazing Race. Uh, uh, my wife always encourages me to to, to audition for Survivor. He, he um, should. I, I I'd love to be able to redeem the name Coach uh, on Survivor. <laughs> 
Um, not quite the Dragon Slayer, but I, I, I think I could I could redeem what what a soccer coach is. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, we've we've talked we've talked about oh, it. Maybe we'll have to. Yeah, do Amazing that Race is uh, you know it's in, although my advice to most people is you kind of go on you have to do Amazing Race with someone you're blood related to because I went on the Amazing Race with my girlfriend at the time Jenna Maraska who had won Survivor at Amazon and so our relationship kind of imploded up there <laughs> and like because like you can't really yell at each other when the camera because cameras are on because you're just going to be announcing to the world how much of an asshole you are right so you wait till the cameras go off and then you're like la, 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 and the ca- hey how you doing you know it's so like and then you get home after your three days traveling and like you get you know a mandatory like six hour break and you're like just going at each other but then the cameras are on you're like Oh, honey, that was a great move. Oh, I'm sorry that you forgot yeah, the clue. It sounded, it sounded good in theory when you guys first signed up for it. Right, well, exactly. Well, they thought, yeah, so, being experts. Okay. Anyway. Um, but, well, uh, Ethan, you'll I definitely... Be coach here. You will definitely be back on the podcast. There's your next gig. You could you could be reality TV uh, coach and consultant. <gasps> you um, should. Yeah, you should. I don't I think like this it. man needs another job. You've got like, I mean, oh my God, like, I don't know how you're holding it down, all the stuff you're doing. Are you, you good know. at delegating? Is that the key? Is that the secret? Like, are you really great at finding great people that work for your organizations? Is that the secret? I, uh, I'm a big fan of collaboration, put it that way. Ah, collaboration, right. partnerships is the way uh, I think I've been able to grow to scale. Boom. Great advice. Ethanson.com is the website. Ethan Zahn on Instagram. Where else? Anything else you want to promote? We're all about, oh, Crunch Bowl. We didn't even talk about this. Are you tired of soggy cereal? Well, I'm going to revolutionize the cereal eating experience in one big scoop. I'm going to put the crunch back in brunch with the Crunch Bowl, everyone. It's the Swiss Army Knives of Bowls. See, I, I, offline, I have have a a, uh, dining utensil idea concept that I'm not ready to, to air online yet. But it is uh, Ethan. I bet something we might pitches. need to talk about. Yes. Can it be an upsell for the if you buy two crunch bowls, you get your product for free type situation? Yes. The reality is what I'm developing could probably be compatible with the crunch bowl. Um, so we'll we'll talk offline. And also for people I'm that fifty of them right now. Oh my God, this seriously could be a bromance in the making. I can see this. I can see this. Ethan's going to love that idea. And it also works well for people who enjoy cannabis. Like, yeah, you guys oh, can have a it's, whole it's, this, line. This, this, is, this is something that we got a lot to talk about. I, you mentioned plant based. Yeah, well, this nutrition. actually doubles as the ultimate roll bowl. So, what you do is you put your buds up top, you shake down below, you dry your joints on the crunch wall. And then when you're done, it actually I designed it so it perfectly holds a cell phone. So you can like snack, Netflix, and chill after you kind of do your thing. There it is. Right? So it's the Swiss Army Knife. Versatile. Oh my Versatile. God, Ethan, thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me. me. This has been super fun. 